Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. It is Wednesday, October the 4th. I am John Pollock along with Brandon Thurston from Russellnomics. T-minus six days until Super Tuesday. Super Tuesday. We have got uh, lots to discuss today as uh, we will get some nostalgia uh, of AEW and NXT both commanding your eyeballs for the duration of their programming next Tuesday. I look forward to uh, limited commercial interruption announcements, um, overrun strategies. I mean, let's just throw going against strong competition that night. I mean, there will be baseball playoffs. Yeah. Um, Big stuff like baseball. Yeah, of course. Yes, and then they will they will carve out their 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 side of the uh the, the wrestling pie, and we will see who has the larger slice, um and and what gigantic effects. Who's going to have a bigger rating? I I feel like we should stay on the air next Wednesday until that number comes out. I think we should be the first. Well, we right, can get the instant we'll reaction next stuff. week. Will Will that work yeah. out? Will Will it be out by four? Maybe you never know, and as, and Nielsen is always you never know if Nielsen's going to be have a delay. Actually, you know what? It's Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day next week, so I think it's all oh. going to be delayed by a, a day. So it'll come out on Thursday morning, I think. Okay. Probably, I haven't been, I haven't confirmed that, but that's usually the way it goes. Okay, well, this will be a discussion off air. Like maybe maybe it makes more sense to do our show on Thursday next week. We will we will see. Um, <laughs> yeah. Okay, that'll be the big news next week. Reacting to numbers, digits, yes. Brandon's yes. real time reaction. Yes, that's what we look forward to. Well, we have uh, lots to discuss. Is this our first return guest that we have had in our short history, Brandon? I was uh, thinking about this today. I think it is. Yes, I think it is. Brandon Ross of Lightshed. Partners is going to be on with us in a little bit as we will be discussing a TKO merger. We're going to be chatting about SmackDown moving to the USA Network. And Brandon, one of the few that can now, not you, Brandon, but other Brandon, that attended the Sphere in Las Vegas this past weekend for a U2 concert. And now the world is just in awe of this this structure. And Dana White, right at the front of the line, wants to run this thing next next year. So maybe we'll we'll get Brandon's uh, real-time thoughts on attending the sphere. It looks a little overwhelming. I don't know if I would, I'm sure it's uh, incredible to watch something in, but it almost feels as it's like too much like stimulation in terms of, uh, like I, I just want to hear a band play. Yeah. We'll keep you from looking at your phone, I guess. I've, I've seen the photos from inside. I've seen, have you seen the, the footage from like outside? You see like just mm-hmm. on the horizon and it's Las Vegas where this is. You just see on the horizon, this, this big ball, that's a video screen uh, as you drive towards it. Um, I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe something eventually. Maybe would WWE do a show there? 
I think everyone is going to want to get dates uh, on this thing. And these will be like the most expensively priced tickets I think we could imagine in any of these uh, various. Khan knows industries. people in Las Vegas. He's, he's connected there. He's got connections. Yeah. I, I'm surprised if uh, Mr. Khan wasn't, you know, hiding out among those. It can hold about like 18,000 or so people. So it's like a pretty, you know, like I, I'd be curious. Like, do you think like that kind of environment, uh, for for something like pro wrestling or a boxing fight or MMA, um, how, how that w- would translate. But I think it, it'll be very curious to see if this becomes sort of a um, like the new state of the art that there's going to be, you know, in terms of directing. Well, this is pe- really expensive, right? This was like a billion dollars to build. Two, two over two billion. Two billion. Okay, yeah. mm-hmm. that's a billion short. <laughs> yeah, this is a this is a couple uh, prospective AEW TV deals to uh, to build this thing. But yes, we will uh, we'll hear from Brandon Ross about that. Uh, but we also have Collision numbers to talk about. It was a it was a rough go of things on Saturday night as Collision went up against NXT No Mercy. And if we were to ask you what was going to have the biggest impact on Collision, college football, payback, SummerSlam, nope. No Mercy was the real bullet to the heart of Collision as they fell to their record low viewership on Saturday with 327,000 viewers and a 0.08, 235, uh, sorry, 235,000 last week down to 106,000 this week. That was a 55% drop in the demo, 42% drop in audience. And I can't say I was going into this weekend expecting this would be the result. I would have thought that this would have been um, of the of the three WWE premium live events we have seen. I thought this would be the least impactful. It ended up being the most. Yeah, and we're gonna have a week to week comparison because they're gonna be going against Fastlane next week, uh, also on Peacock. So I have this chart here for people watching video. It, it this this looks like a really profound trend to me in that you see these low points, which I, I guess are these the th- the four. The four lowest, the four least viewed, mm-hmm. yeah, the four least viewed shows, uh, for four least viewed episodes of Collision. Are- Money in the Bank being a very interesting one that you pointed out way back when we were discussing this. Like this was not head to head with Collision, but still, you have to look at that that big drop as still having. It was a taped edition of Collision, but regardless, it was, um, you know, at, at that point, significantly. I would say impacted by just the the, the anna- people getting their fill that day and not right. tuning in that night. I think you have to give, give credit where credit is due. I think this was a David Bixen span theory. This was a Bix theory before I I, I had. It. I figured, nah, there's no way that a show that I think started at three three p.m. Eastern. So I don't know when did it end. It certainly was over by by probably seven or something like that. Uh, and of course, Collision starts at eight. But yeah, these these four episodes that have been the least watched have all been on the day of a WPLE, three of them going head to head. And even you look at college football, which began you know here in early September, um, it still did a pretty strong rating on the first week of college football. Not Now, granted, that was on the day that CM Punk was fired. So that, that may have been driving some viewership to be higher than it would be otherwise. But even if you look, you know, two weeks later when it was not going against a WWE show, um, it's really on the level of those two weeks before the college football season started. So it, you almost could say from this that well, is college football really impacting collision that much? you look at these numbers and you could make an argument that maybe it's not, um, it's certainly not clear. And what's really impacting it is the W shows. Yeah. Um, I, I think you also have to look at just the, well, we're, we're going to get a, an interesting comparison this uh, Saturday. I would say Fastlane was not shaping up to be the most 
intriguing event, but nonetheless, you have John Cena on this show. It's now, you know, a fairly, it's, it's a WWE premium live event. It is no worse than, than payback. And with, with John Cena, you could say the, the star power is uh, a step above that. And then you do have that Saudi Arabia card, November the 4th. And we'll get to put this theory to the test again of just the amount of hours in one day. And this was a weekend where, you know, there, there was a lot of professional wrestling to consume for people. Did Collision just end up being the the odd show out for people that wanted to watch uh, everything that weekend that were going to be watching both pay-per-views on consecutive nights as well? Yeah, and, and the latter part of the show, I'm going to see if I can pull up the quarter hours. The latter part of Collision really did sink, you know, more so than, than the rest of the show did. Um, and I wonder if that's, you know, what was it going against? It was going against the uh, Ilya Dragunov and Carmelo Hayes match, which was, you know, I, I watched most of it, I think. I was, I was trying to flip back and forth, which is, I was reminded of how easy that was back in the Monday Night Wars days when I could hit the previous channel button on my remote. And uh, this was... Dude, these huge... are things Canadians just can't uh, sympathize with. Like, never had that experience. Yeah. You, you didn't have a previous channel button in the... No, I mean, we, we didn't have WCW and WWF head-to-head. Oh, that's so we right. didn't. Okay. We didn't have to be going uh, back and forth. You, you could, you could wait uh, till uh, Wednesday uh, afternoon to watch Nitro. That's right. Well, so so here's the quarter hours, and you can see there's actually this peak here where there's there's no uh, commercial break in this peak at eight forty five. But anyway, the the rest of the show, I, I guess you could say the last three full quarter hours are the least viewed, right? Because they're all in the two hundreds, two hundred thousand viewer level, and. That's, that's pretty low. Wow. So they're all in the 200,000 uh, viewer level. The demo is all below 100,000. And that's, I, I went back and I looked at the timestamp and the the video package for the uh, Carmelo Hayes and Ilya Dragunov match starts uh, around 930. And then, of course, the match goes on. I, I don't think it goes against any of the Becky Lynch and Tiffany Stratton match, but it goes against that that NXT men's title match. Uh, but that probably you know played a role in, in the numbers that we see here. The Vert Vixen effect. Who's Vert Vixen? Vert Vixen is who took on Julia Hart in that uh, <laughs> in that uh, fourth fourth quarter, right there. Okay. So Thank that's, you. Um, yeah. You you look at this, and you know certainly, I I think at, at best you would be trying to replicate this number. I think I think it's going to be similar results this this coming Saturday uh, against Fastlane. Uh, it's I think going to be like it is without question the biggest competition that Collision is going to face, and uh, I think you brought this up the fact that. When you have seen uh, TKO throwing around like these ideas of these these big weekends that they could piggyback with with UFC events, like there, there's a great advantage for these WWE shows on Saturday. I'm not saying going head to head with Collision is their number one priority, but it is a nice benefit of what they have found moving to Saturday nights that it has this uh, dual effect. And if you are piggybacking with UFC, like you are going to defer to UFC as that being their night if you want to. Shop a WWE event uh, coupled with a UFC show to a foreign country that is going to pay you millions to bring your products over there. Yeah, it's, it's something to watch for when pay-per-view dates get announced now that the merger is completed. Are they going to be Saturdays or are they going to be Sundays? Of course, I mean, until Nikon came to WWE, WWE pay-per-views were always, always, always on Sunday. Um, and that's something that they've changed and said that they've had a lot of success because of by by putting uh, an event on a saturday and, and then oftentimes a holiday weekend um fortunately they're the only wrestling company that does that and they're they're able to you know the theory is that you get people on a holiday weekend 
um, able to travel in uh, to the location, you get more traveling wrestling fans that way. And the idea is that, you know, it's, it's good for viewers too, because the theory used to be that on a holiday weekend, you have people traveling, so they don't watch TV. But Nikon has explained that by the time it's Saturday or something like that, everybody's travel is completed and they're all in place and people can watch stuff. Um, but you, you think that the UFC events will take precedence, right? Because they're going to be certainly in terms of a live gate, more, more lucrative and, in terms of the pay-per-view, I imagine that that would be a factor too. Uh, you want to keep it in the regular slot where the USC pay-per-views have always been, right? Um, maybe is there an argument that like you know, UFC pay-per-views are often on the West Coast time zone, right? So they're starting at ten still. Yeah, you're. It's so it's like collisions head-to-head is with the, with the prelims. So I mean, I'm saying like maybe you could say. Uh, it's not that big of a conflict to put a WPLE uh, on at eight when the UFC oh, is going to start until 10 anyway. Right. Well, for the rest of the year, we have uh, Fastlane Saturday, the Saudi Arabia show, November 4th, Survivor Series, November 25th, which is going to be a big one. And then NXT deadline, December the 9th yes. deadline. Yes. But I, I was surprised that the NXT PLE took a big bite, apparently out of collision. I was Thinking maybe it would take half half of the extent that a main roster show does, but it's hard to really. It, we don't know how much it really took out of it, but it it made it the lowest collision viewership ever. So there's that. Do you view like someone like a Becky Lynch, for instance, who has come down and she has has spiked numbers for her matches on television? This would certainly be a, an, an indication that you know this was a bigger. NXT show than normal and she being a key player on it. Like, do, do you look at these like movements to NXT and someone spiking numbers as indicative of perhaps being underutilized on, on the main roster? Do you learn anything from Becky Lynch or is this simply just, you know, there's, she's a star. She came down and she has demonstrated that ability on a smaller stage. I, I think like all these main roster people come to NXT has been a good study in like who who's a draw, I guess, um, in, in a really precise way, right? Because like N- NXT is sort of this, you know, brand that not that many people tune in to watch. It's, you know, the developmental people who are not the main roster stars. Um, and you see like when Baron Corbin comes on there, sorry, Baron Corbin, it's not that big of a, no, no big difference in the rating. Um, when Dominic Mysterio has certain matches, it's moved the rating. Um, when Rey Mysterio comes up, it moves the rating. When Seth Rollins comes up and wrestles Braun Breaker, it moves the rating. Becky Lynch moves the rating. Um, so I think you have sort of a, a, a clean base in the NXT show. This is what it normally is. And then if you put main roster people in it, oh, how much does it go, go up or does it go up above the normal level? And for some people, it does. I, I think we're sort of it, – it's sort of unlocking this conversation around, you know, where, where I think people are, 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 you know, attracted to throw their hands up and just say, nobody's a draw and the brand is a draw. And to what extent are these people who've been featured on a main event level on WTV for all these years? How much do they really, how, how, how big of a spoke on the wheel are they? And I think we're, we're kind of seeing it in these NXT ratings that, that some people do matter a lot, but they're, you know, they're all parts of a bigger machine most of the time that you don't see the difference, but here you do. Yeah, and that segues over to Adam Copeland, that I think he will very much be under this microscope to look at what does he mean in a different environment. He is coming in, you would think, in the short term, it's immediately going to be something of interest uh, to fans. Is it sustainable? Is he somebody that is going to be a meaningful difference maker? Is he going to just settle in? He 
has stated he's going to be a full-time performer. So you're not going to have maybe the novelty even to a level of a sting. Um, does he just become another member of the roster six months from now? Or is this somebody that just the the new environment, it's a fresh coat of paint on on this performer that has been so ingrained with the WWE system for a quarter of a century? And he's having a match tonight, right? Next week. Next, next week. Next week. Next week. So not okay. He's appearing on the show tonight, and then the match is Tuesday. Okay. Well, it'd be interesting to see if the dynamite rating is especially big because it's well, a coming off a of pay per view, and and what whatever interest came out of the news around Edge debuting, you know, in in cases where WWE pay per views have featured a big return or something like that. Like I think of that SummerSlam a couple of years ago when Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch both returned, I believe, on the same show in in Nashville. Uh, Raw the next night did a huge rating, so it, it seems like big newsworthy events, which Edge debuting in AEW's newsworthy event lead to big ratings, you know, on, on the following episode of TV. So was he ever that big of a, of a TV ratings draw for WWE? I, I can't think of examples of quarter hours that he's popped. There was some judgment day stuff that he was involved in that, that did, that did, you know, move the quarter hours a bit. So there's that to think about. And there, there was the period he first, uh, and this is going back to another generation when he first won the title off that oh. money at the bank cash in, and they had the famous, you know, three week title reign um, yes. that there was movement. But I mean, we're talking about just such a, uh, a period of time that it's, it, I, I think the more better comparison is this return period from 2020 onward, where you looked at, you know, two, two performers that I viewed in like, in the sphere of like their fan bases, like similar levels of AEW having this CM Punk character coming out of retirement and an edge coming out of retirement, not too far apart from one another. And had edge gone with that offer that AEW had on the table, like he would have been probably your, your most pushed guy out of the gate. Like he could have been in that, that Jericho role, or at least, you know, right alongside Jericho when AEW start. Yeah, and, and, and along the lines of TV ratings, who can forget that segment that he did with Leah that popped a huge rating and and uh, and had a generation of children have WTV banned uh, from their homes. Yes, I mean the the classic moments. Uh, then, now, forever, uh, Edge and Lita and a live sex celebration on television, uh, yeah. which it, the only person in the world who could have interrupted that would be uh, Ric Flair. Sure. Yes. As we go back, yes. um, let's talk a bit about. So, what is lined up for next Tuesday? So. AEW, because of the Major League Baseball playoffs, they are being moved to Tuesday night on TBS from 8 till 10, and they will go up against NXT. So it's AEW on the unfamiliar night where they have announced uh, Adam Copeland's first match with the company against 65 million-year-old Luchasaurus and Soraya against Akara Shida. I imagine that will that lineup will be bolstered tonight. And NXT coming back with, um, you know, their, their competition is ultimately sleep. That is... Um, and they've realized people are getting tired this time of year. Tuesday nights, you're hitting the pillow around 9.30 p.m. So what are we going to do to combat sleep as our enemy? They are calling up John Cena, Cody Rhodes, Paul Heyman, Asuka, probably another Becky Lynch. Paul Heyman and Asuka on here, too. Asuka will be wrestling Roxanne to. Perez. And then we will have Carmelo Hayes with John Cena in his corner against Braun Breaker with Paul Heyman in his corner on the show. This is this is a main roster show. It sounds like. Um, listen, this is a. What are you talking about? Their their competitors are everyone, though. Okay, I don't want anyone to get the wrong idea here that this was probably laid out for months 
in yes. advance that this would be the time to pull the trigger on both Cody and John Cena appearing on NXT. And wouldn't you know, this is the week that they are going to have pro wrestling competition in the same uh, time slot. Well, they do acknowledge all elite wrestling, New Japan wrestling, impact wrestling, uh, at least those on, on, on the, uh, the TKO uh, filings of risk factors now, but they're go- also going to go against collision is going to go against SmackDown on November 17th. As That's well. right. That's the night before the full gear pay-per-view, which is a Saturday night pay-per-view. Right. That they'll be in the Kia forum for that, the same place where full gear will be. So I was reminded of that when you know, somebody emailed me as uh, there was discussion going on about this show that they're also going head to head. So not again, not in AEW's normal time slot. There's going to be a disadvantage to, to AEW in, in that case, November 17th with Collision versus SmackDown. And there's a, a disadvantage uh, here with uh, dynamite going against NXT, and I would, I, especially considering how loaded up NXT is, um, I would expect NXT to win. It, now, the same thing happened about a year ago, um, where NXT went head to head with Dynamite on a Tuesday because Dynamite was moved, I think, for M- MLB playoffs as well, and Dynamite handily beat NXT. Um, this is a, a, a different time for NXT where they didn't have main roster talent, I would think, uh, without going back to see what was on the show. But um, I think it's going to be much closer this time. Do you th- do you look at this in in the larger picture? Is this is this is this a big deal in the sense that is AEW being able to just be competitive on Tuesday night against, you know, what's a really loaded up NXT. Does that help them in any meaningful way beyond just, you know, like the immediate buzz that you get the next day when the numbers come out? Like, is there a reason, like, let's say we have some big matches that we've been holding off on and we decide let's, let's throw the gauntlet next Tuesday. Is there an advantageous reason to do that? If you are AEW for the perception of it. Yeah, I, I wonder, is this something that comes up in like a, a meeting with executives or like when you're talking to a TV partner and, and, and those people to say, wow, well, look, look at our NXT show. It's a great show. It has lots of value that it'll bring to you because it, it beats Dynamite one time. Is, and these is rights that- are all being shopped. And I, I, I'm curious as well, just the idea that if we're looking at all things being equal, and we'll probably discuss some of this with Brandon Ross, is SmackDown. Like, what is the ideal night for SmackDown? From a production standpoint for WWE, Tuesday's a great night. For SmackDown, and if we can see, like, what is the pro wrestling audience that would be tuning in on a Tuesday night? And conversely, looking at an AEW that if they are within even striking distance of this big NXT show with two of your major stars, maybe a third with Becky Lynch, and looking at, you know, just AEW having a sign here on an unfamiliar night, what they can draw. And we know the realistic asking price for an AEW of it being much less than Ron NXT combined together. Right. I guess I could say this. I remember when, when the Wednesday Night Wars were happening and Dynamite, I think on, is it on every single week except for one or two beat NXT in the demo and the total viewership was a little bit closer. Um, but I remember being told that, you know, well, when, when AEW wins in total viewership as well, everybody's happy, but economically, as far as ad sales, the only thing that really matters is the demo. So I could see it being something that, the people at NBC Universal would be excited to, to say that, oh wow, we beat that other wrestling show, and you know we beat them in, in this number and that number. So I could see it being something that bolsters that relationship with the TV partner, which is extremely important. Are we going to get 
how many press releases come out on Wednesday from the respective sides? Will they each have their own? I, I would love like each side that can claim victory. W, we'll get, w we'll get, doesn't like, have press release, releases about ratings, right? Um, certainly when, when, when Dynamite has a really good rating, WBD puts out a press release. Um, but I think when, when WWE has a good rating, just, you know, certain people in wrestling media. Do we get a WWE graphic on their social channels? Maybe that would be the, the I, I definitely see them the infographic, yeah. putting a little pat on the back out there if they are successful on this Tuesday night. Right. Which they should be. When you look at this lineup, and granted, we don't have a full picture of what uh, Dynamite is coming back with. But being on the unfamiliar night, I mean, this is John Cena on NXT. Like, we look at what Becky has meant. Uh, John Cena should mean uh, th- that much more. This will this may be the only time you see a John Cena on an NXT program. Right. And I'm, I'm looking for what the numbers were when they went head-to-head a year ago. But um, it, I think it really shows, you know, this this past Saturday really shows just how much you know, these, these two products truly do overlap. They're both wrestling shows. And for whatever, you know, fights that people have online about WWE versus AEW, the overlap is really strong between WWE and AEW. I mean, I I certainly think it's, there is more, there's more overlap going towards AEW than the other way around just because WWE is the the bigger, longer lasting brand, but there's a ton of overlap between wrestling fans, a lot more so than say uh, there is overlap for college football, despite college football having an audience that that's multiple times bigger. So that is super Tuesday coming up next week. So look forward to that. And of course the rational discourse that will also come out of that where a lot, we'll get a lot of nuanced views about, you know, the, uh, the positives, the negatives, and understanding like that, the health of the industry uh, coming out of it. That um, you know, that's what I look forward to Wednesday at, or well, maybe maybe thir- uh, Thursday at four if we get the the one week uh, the one day delay. Yeah, in the morning, in fact, so it'll be a, it'll be a slow drip, so that might dissipate some of the rage. We'll see. Tony Khan did do a press conference. How much of this press conference did you watch and when did you watch it? Did you stay up on Sunday night to watch a two and a half hour press conference? I, I watched it the next next day, next morning on 2X Speed, and I got the like the one newsworthy bit out of it, which was him. We finished saying, our post show, and when I saw it was still going, I, I thought there was a glitch on my YouTube player. Well, he's he's answering everyone's questions. I, I listened to He was in a great mood. He was in a was great it? mood. Oh, it was a very good show. It was um, an excellent show. And uh, he said that the pay-per-view buys were better than all out. Which I don't know if, if if that's as much a great thing to hear about Russell Dream or a bad thing to hear about All Out. That you know, I don't know if that show did a hundred thousand buys or not. But he said that this show, Russell Dream, did over is projected based on the digital sales over a hundred thousand. So I mean that that's on the. I expected it to be maybe the the least bought AW pay per view since twenty twenty or so, where they had quite a few that were under a hundred thousand. Um, but it it did better than All Out at least. So uh, maybe that speaks to the the interest in in that main event at this point we're making history here on pollock and thurston the first returning guest here on the show you know him from light shed partners a man that is a uh, you know world renowned for all of his analysis <laughs> here to chat about tko wwe Hard, hardly you guys caught me by surprise there i was like <laughs> it's, it's on my phone and <laughs> heard my name or well, you're, bu- you're busy at work uh, yeah. here. Other, uh, the other Brandon that is that is joining the us. other Brandon. <laughs> yes. That's right. So the first lesser of all, known version. Before we get into uh, WWE and, and TKO news, uh, you were you were one of the few. You were at the Sphere in Las Vegas I over was. the weekend. Can you give us an in person account of of this experience? And is this is this the future of of Stadia? Um, it is an amazing experience. I was 
I've been pretty bullish on it, right? And I've seen the sphere kind of throughout the um, the process of building it, the very lengthy and expensive process, I should say, um, from kind of when they just broke ground to being in there in January. And it looked like it was a long shot for it to be open at this point. Um, but at that time, I did a VR experience of what it was going to be like and kind of putting that together with being in what was the structure without any LEDs, you kind of got the feeling that it was going to be something special. And it really was. It's, I think I go to a lot of concerts as I think you guys know. Um, and I would say it was the first time I wasn't actually focused on looking at the band and what they were doing. You're just trying to take in everything that's happening in the, in the environment around you which at times was a lot. And um, it's also probably the first time I've ever been to a show where you don't want to be close to the stage. It's actually the best seats in the house are probably in the like 200 and 300 level where you can actually like be able to see the ceiling all the way down to the floor and left to right and be fully immersed in what's going on. I hope you guys get to go um, sometime soon. It's very, very cool. And, and this is like normal basketball size arena. It's it's over eighteen thousand people. So yeah, but it's set up totally differently. It's it's actually set up like a theater would, where the stage is at the end, um, and there's nothing behind it, and the stands kind of come up on different levels above it, and that's it. There's it's not the stands don't surround the stage. Um, kind of like you would see um, in an arena. Do you see th- this kind of venue? Do you feel it it can it can work for something like a big UFC card or or a WWE show? Well, I guess Dana implied last night that um, mm-hmm. he's that got his he, eyes on it. That he definitely has his eyes on it. I think it can work for um, MMA or for WWE. I think it will be a lot more difficult to work, obviously for basketball or hockey um the the space really isn't there for it and the and the sight lines wouldn't be there um i think it would be interest more interesting maybe with wwe where they can do maybe some of the things that they did during the wrestlemania during covid um where they made it a more immersive multimedia experience which is probably easier to do when it's a scripted um, situation than it is um, for a UFC or a yeah, PS I was going to say that PFL. earlier. <laughs> the, the, the Thunderdome on the which was all the, all these people on screens watching the show. Yeah, uh, yeah. But you could you could imagine a lot of uh, weird special effects too. Yeah. No, it's it's very cool, and the things that they could do with sound are also very neat. I also saw um, postcard from Earth, which is their first or- piece of original content. I'm like, I'm kind of embargoed from talking a lot about it um until friday but what i'll say about it is it it shows off um the fact that you can have different sound effects coming from anywhere um and in different ways um as they as they hit the viewer um you could have people i could be sitting in one seat and you could be sitting right next to me and you could hear something completely different and where you're hearing it coming from is completely different. It's 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 pretty neat technology overall. 
you know what this is going to cut into? It's, uh, as you said, Brandon, the elimination of phone use. It's also going to cut into drug use because nobody is going to go to a concert in that, with, with the kind of stimulation that this place is providing. I think it just you wouldn't survive I, it. Yes, I think that um, <laughs> I said this to somebody. Um, I, I'd be nervous if anyone did any kind of drugs. Um, <laughs> I'm sure they did um, during um, these U2 shows, but uh, I think there could be some freakouts. <laughs> Any any Nick Khan sighting over the weekend? Um, you have to imagine this. This is definitely in his purview of something. On, I on did. The I did. There were they. There were a lot of people there. I did not see Nick there or anyone else from TKO. Doesn't mean they weren't in the building, um, but I I didn't see them. There were some of AW's partners were there. Oh really? Say that. Yeah. WBD people. Yes. Zaslav was there. Okay. Um, CFO the was there. <laughs> Does Zaz ever not wear the vest? <laughs> well, let's let's move over to uh, some of the uh, latest news. Uh, we're a couple weeks removed from the SmackDown deal, surprisingly going to uh, the USA Network, which uh, we're we're almost exactly a year away from this uh, switchover. How surprising was this? It seemed that uh, Wall Street I was, very I was much was. I think everybody was like, this was yeah. a real left field uh, maneuver and it did not t- like this stock has not re- recovered since this news. No, I mean, it looked like it was coming back the last couple of sessions. I think it's down again today. Um, but everyone kind of knew that Comcast under USA um, was going to be back. There were, they had to have the content. Basically USA network is, is a bereft of content without it. Um, so it was coming back. Everyone expected that it would be a renewal of raw for the three hours, but Comcast only committed to the two hours per week. Um, and that made everyone or a lot of investors very nervous. Is, did you get the sense this is, so it was a 1.4 X increase and yes. this, this is one on an AAV basis. Yeah. Right? So it went from, it's going to go from 205 per year with Fox to, like 287 287 good yes <laughs> i memorized these things by now yeah and um so is that indicative of just the sports rights market in general or if, in like if, if you're thinking about what other sports rights are coming up and, and the nba which i think we'll talk more about like does that tell you about just things are going to be lower or plateauing from here yeah so just to to kind of give some context to the stock reaction, a lot of the reaction was kind of the environment that we're in and the trepidation around sports rights in general, as you just brought up. And a lot of that um, really was brought to the surface during this charter versus Disney battle. And for the first time, it looked like ESPN was vulnerable and the distributors were going to push back on the the pass through cost of sports rights. And if, if the affiliate fees are going to be in question, then that leave, that would leave less money for the leagues or in this case, TKO to get paid for licensing out the rights. So the market was very, very nervous. So it didn't take a lot to, to get a lot of investors to jump ship. I think the the idea is that maybe this NBA deal, and we've kind of been saying this for a long time anyway, um, could be the blow off top on sports rights. And after that, 
the multi-channel video ecosystem, you know, has been in you know pretty continuous decline, which has accelerated a bit as of late. And it's not certain that digital players are going to pick up the slack and pay more than or much more than the advertising that is sold against these games or events. Right. For a long time, the hope had been that the fangs, I guess. I don't know what we should call them. Yeah. I, I have no idea what to call them anymore. <laughs> but, but big, big tech companies like Amazon yeah. and Apple and maybe even Google through YouTube are going to come in and, and buy up sports rights. And some, something like that has happened. I mean, I guess in, in each case you could look at, okay, YouTube's got uh, an NFL Sunday ticket. Um, Apple has got some MLS. Amazon has got NFL. But other than that, there haven't. I'm probably leaving yeah. stuff out there. But other than that, they haven't come in and r- ran up the cost of sports. There's this, yeah, there's a speculation now um, that Formula One on a global basis might go to Apple, and I think Apple is out there trying to do global rights deals where they become the exclusive home um, of a sport. So, so um, that's out there, and obviously the NBA deal. We're pretty certain that there's interest from both Apple and Amazon. Um, in that one. But, you know, going beyond that, we're just really not sure. There's been some experimentation with MLB here and there. Um, we've seen um, it's it's it really remains to be seen what the appetite is. And investors are nervous. That is, is this the last deal um, for WWE that's up? That's the question out in the marketplace right now. Yeah. And, and Rock. Sorry. I'm just going to ask about the timing of the, the SmackDown deal as well. Like, if you are WWE and this is, you know, uh, was not met too favorably, why make the deal now? Do and and Raw's rights are are still out there. Like, was there, you know, an urgency on either side to get this deal? And this is the best WWE felt they could get for SmackDown at a time when it seems like there's a lot of volatility. Yeah, I think that from um, a Comcast perspective. Um, I think they have some affiliate deals that were coming up and they probably didn't want to, you know, go into those, those deals without any, uh, WWE content secured for the future. So there may have been some urgency on their side. And then from the TKO side, I think, you know, at, at this time, five years ago, both, both deals were signed. Everyone was talking about India being like a three X or whatever, you know, was, was kind of out there, um, at the time. And given, you know, how difficult the environment was, there was a deal that was there. And I think they decided to kind of hedge and make sure that they at least got the 1.4 on SmackDown. And their belief is that Raw is a more premium property probably because of not just its history as, you know, as being one, but also the fact that it's three hours and, you know, whether it's one or two different buyers, they can, they can, uh, they can market that in, you know, six months when hopefully the market improves. And, and with Rod, do you you have any more sense of, of who's likely, you know, we've talked about, and you've talked about Amazon, maybe. Yeah. It sounds like Amazon. Yeah. It sounds like, I mean, we felt, you know, like there was a lot of smoke around Amazon going into the SmackDown deal. Um, It seems right now, and I could be wrong. We've seen, I've been wrong before um, that, that Amazon isn't really there. The, the names that 
you know, have been bandied about as the strongest possibility seem to be Disney. And obviously that wouldn't happen through ESPN because they can't really dedicate a single night. We heard that on podcasts and have heard that, you know, other ways from ESPN. Um, and um, uh, that, so that would have to be, you know, through one of their other properties, whether it's FX or ABC. And as we all know, Bob Iger doesn't know what he's doing with ABC or FX or pretty much anything else. So that is also, I think, um, one of the reasons that uh, uh, TKO is in, in wait and see mode. Right. And, and for people who don't know, FX was requ- was acquired by Disney from Fox a few years ago. And it sounds like ABC, as well as some of the other networks, probably not including ESPN, are being shopped around or maybe. Yeah, it's it, right. It, uh, from an ESPN um, perspective, it looks like they're looking for outside investors um, to, to come in to e- ESPN. And then ESPN would be a subsidiary that is probably 51 or more percent owned by Disney, um, with the rest being held by different strategic minority partners. Um, and those could, you know, take, no one knows who they're really negotiating with or if at all, but the speculation has been around leagues, especially the NBA, because they have their rights deal up right now. Um, uh, tech companies. So Amazon has been speculated and then, um, and then broadband companies. So the likes of Comcast have been speculated as well. Now I could poke holes in all of those <laughs> very, very easily, but, um, that's, that's what Iger's trying to accomplish now. So I mean, if, if you're thinking about selling FX, does that make it less likely that you're going to make a big, inf- a long-term, you know, multiple hundred hundred millions of dollars a year investment in W rights. Yes, that would, that would make it less likely. I mean, the buyer would probably want um, a clean slate is my guess. Um, the question of whether it works for FX, I mean, kind of goes back to that conversation or just the earlier part of this conversation where I said, how much are these rights worth above the ad dollars that you can get attached to it? Like how much are FX's affiliate rates going to be driven by having any additional content, whether WWE or UFC or any other, any other sports, anything. Um, and that really remains to be seen because Disney goes to the market with a pretty robust package that includes ESPN, which has very high affiliate fees. That includes um, the owned and operated ABC, ABC stations. You know, there's still other Disney channels that that also still exist. So it's unclear, especially in the marketplace that we exist in now, where you just had Charter push back pretty hard on them already. And and can we explain like how these investments in in TV rights for, say, WWE make sense? So if I'm paying, if I'm NBC Universal, I'm paying $265 million a year currently for Raw, a little more each year. Yep. I sell ads against it. But it's it's not making two hundred sixty five million dollars a year no. ads. USA no, it's Network. probably a hundred million dollars or so less than that. I mean, we, you and I have probably done the math yeah. uh, many different ways, and we don't know for sure. But it's you know, it's ten at least tens of millions of dollars less than 
what the licensing fee would be, especially at a 1.4x. So, at least in the case of USDA Network, you're you're charging your carriers to carry the USDA Network, so you're making some money on that. Maybe it's maybe it's making a break even, maybe short of that, but. For Fox, certainly that that wasn't the case with SmackDown. Well, that's why, I mean, if you talk to Fox and ask them why they got rid of it, it was, you know, for that exact reason. They're like, we have the NFL. Like, (laughs) that's the biggest hammer that exists. So how much incremental value was having the WWE adding beyond what we were selling in ads. And I think there was a little bit of a shortfall relative to what they had expected. One, because of the audience shortfall. And we've seen, you know, all audience and linear TV kind of go like this, not the NFL, but, you know, pretty much everything else. And I think there was some hope that they'd be able to get CPMs that were much more equivalent to, to sports rights. Um, and, uh, and they didn't quite get there. That being said, that's kind of water under the bridge. Now, the question is to go forward and, you know, whether Iger thinks that this is a p- property that's strategic to, um, either FX or even Hulu, right? Because if, if their future is in streaming and they're keeping Hulu and it's going to be tiled into Disney plus, do they need some reliable every week? content for it. Maybe, maybe this is the answer, but it's going to take some time to figure it out. And on the subject of strategy, uh, like we're, we're seeing this season, just what the impact has, has been on raw. Is this the best night for raw when you're going against that hammer? That is NFL. Like if I'm an, <laughs> if I'm a Disney tough. or an yeah. Amazon, why am I going up against this four months out of the year? Outside of just it's always been on Monday nights, and I think they've made it. Nikon's made it very clear, like they are not; they're not tied to one night. Yeah, I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, like if you if you could move out of the NFL's way, you probably you know should do that at some point. But it's going to come down to what the highest bidders really want. Bitter or bitters, because I still think there's a possibility that this could be split up if it maximizes value. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. And in terms of timing, the sense that I get increasingly is is NBA rights need to be done. First. Totally. There's going to be a loser. That's the other thing, right? There is going to be a loser in the NBA rights because we just talked about Amazon and Apple being interested. We know Turner is interested because what 
just like we said, what is USA without WWE? What is Turner without the NBA? Right. And Nick mentioned in an interview a couple of weeks ago that the notion that maybe WBD would um, would would split one of the nights away, maybe to, to NBC and still pay for the production costs, but but would have that that one night off to fill with something else. Um, and maybe that's where where AEW where, where money gets freed up for AEW or something like that. But yeah, I mean, there's speculation that they could do both AEW and WWE. Now y- you guys are way closer to AEW than I am. What, <laughs> what do you think of that possibility? I would be surprised if, if they do both. Um, so as, as far as going all in on, on wrestling entirely, obviously they, they can't get SmackDown. SmackDown's going to USA network. Um, I've I, I had a good time thinking about well maybe they they could do you know a, a co promotional show they could do a pay per view once a year W versus AEW as part of this deal which would do huge business in That'd a lot of awesome. ways yeah. but um, whether or not these two competitors w- are willing to cooperate with each other is another <laughs> story um, but yeah I, I, I guess it could if you want to get rid of one night either Tuesday or Thursday and put what's left Raw on one of those nights sure I mean does it, do the economics make sense. <sighs> Uh, a lot of that comes down to also um, what what is the overlap in audience between AEW and WWE, which I presume is fairly high. It's a lot. And, yeah. yeah. And um, is whatever they get of the NBA enough to kind of maintain their affiliates? And is it the most profitable outcome? I'd, I'd be surprised if it was WBD. Um, I feel like Disney's more likely. Um, but again, I was completely wrong on, uh, on SmackDown. So I'm just speculating. Yeah. And in terms of a rating, I was looking at, say what the NBA does, if they, they got rid of a night of NBA, they could probably still deliver similar ratings with raw in its place. And raw being 52 weeks a year is probably another argument in that favor. I'm sure the CPMs are a lot different. Between yeah, raw they are, but it's also the NBA is more expensive and then the other thing you have to account for is that two thirds of the value of the NBA is in the playoffs and the finals, right? So you have to kind of readjust what the regular season is worth. We also had this interesting uh, part of Tony Khan did a, a media call last week, and it's something, Brandon, you've never like outright reported this, but you've definitely thrown out the theory of whether or not. Uh, WBD has some kind of ownership stake in AEW. Yeah. And we did get Tony Khan on the record, stated, didn't outright state that, but did, when asked about it, said, you know, I have 100% voting power and control. And he would certainly be open to taking on partners. And that becomes an interesting wrinkle if AEW has l- like some kind of, you know, minority he, stake in the company. He phrased it in such a way. I wish we had the quote in front of us, but he phrased it in, in such a way that he did not deny. He left it. He left the possibility open that they currently have a stake, but right. he would be open to to uh, maybe giving them more, whether or not they they own any. He's not saying, but he'd be open to a, a new deal where that is changed. Brandon, Brandon, I'm really good. Do you want to hear the clip? Yes, yes, that's really fast. There are things I've always said to be true I, that I own 100 percent of the voting stock in this company. Uh, and that I have 100% of the decision-making power in the company. Um, and I've been open uh, to taking on additional partnerships or things of that nature, but we have a, a really great deal. But I would also be open to that, to Warner Brothers uh, in, a, in a future deal, having a piece or a bigger piece potentially. Uh, but I would always want to maintain 100% uh, 
voting control as I have now and uh, want to maintain, you know, the supermajority uh, of stock, which I have now. Would I be interested in taking on additional investment? Yeah, potentially, but um, it would have to be at the right numbers and it would have to make sense for us based on how much our business has grown this year. Uh, but as for a change of control or giving up any of the voting stock, no, I have no interest in that. Is, is it possible that he has? I, I think I think he gave us the answer, right? Yeah. He has all the voting stock. WBD has non-voting stock. And he would increase the amount of stock they that they own non-voting in the right and, deal. And that's not unheard of to have investors who don't have voting shares but do have shares. Or have super votes like we just saw with McMahon, right? McMahon owned – you know, all the decision-making power over WWE, but he only owned 50% of the economics. And if you have 51% of the vote, you're good. Yeah, so you can force your way back in the company. Yeah, going all the way back to like the beginning of our conversation with the sphere. The sphere does not get built if Jim Dolan doesn't have majority control of that business, right? Because it was such a risk and, you know, far beyond what, many investors were rightly or wrongly, and I think it may turn out to be wrongly, um, were comfortable with. Well, we also have the interesting play of ABC, which they are simulcasting all of the Monday night football games this season. They have also added, they picked up the NBA games in January. When you're looking at these next deals, I mean, how important is the loss of that network window for SmackDown, save for they have four NBC specials. Like as we're looking at the continuing downward trend of cable, like being off that network window, like how much of a blow is that for, for SmackDown? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I think in conversations that people I'll just say in general have had um, with the company, they, they actually said that in some ways there are elements that are better not being on broadcast. Some of the, um, some of the East Coast versus West Coast elements, um, to it. Um, but look, there's a reason that Vince wanted to go to Fox, you know, so badly that beyond the money. And they said at the time it was the exposure. It was the cross promotion out of the NFL, which is, you know, the, the biggest video property on the planet um, and, you know, the, the bigger audience that exists on a, uh, on broadcast. But f- does that really matter that much to investors per se? No investors are worried about the dollars and cents of this deal and kind of what is implied through these deals about what the next deals are going to be like. Because most of the value of a company is in its quote terminal value, which is, which is the collection of cash flows that come from the years beyond the next five, which is, which is how long is, is on this deal. So there's, there's a lot of, how do I say, you know, psychology and, um, and sentiment about what the future is going to be like that drives stock prices. 
Well, before we wrap things up, uh, I'd be remiss not to ask you. I mean, it's it's. I mean, the ink has just dried on the 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 merger of WWE yeah. and UFC to form TKO. But I mean, uh, just in terms of that week where you saw a lot of the key people out there speaking about the the prospects and what can be gained. Uh, some interesting quotes, uh, even some uh, co- conflicting ones from Dana White going against uh, Lawrence Epstein. Um, but regardless. I mean, what are you looking at as sort of like the first significant uh, push here by by TKO in the, in this first you know six to twelve month period for the company and and how how investors have l- looked at this just up yeah, the, into the closure? The first significant um, piece of it is cost cutting, and I think you've seen kind of the results of that already. It sounds like this company, you know, they said fifty to one hundred million dollars of synergies of cost synergies. Um, yeah, they'll probably wind up somewhere above a hundred million. Um, and yeah, just uh, communicating to investors that they're going to maximize the amount of cash flow that this business produces is, is probably going to be outside of what's happening with the raw deal and any future UFC deals. That's going to be the main messaging point. Yeah. And they've, they, cut about a hundred employees, somewhere over a hundred employees reportedly. And a few days later, when the day the, the SmackDown deal was announced, in fact, they cut at least 18 wrestlers. Yeah. I mean, some, some significant, that's the uh, sad byproduct of all mergers, right? Is, is efficiencies are great for the stockholders, but there's obviously collateral damage. Yeah, and I mean, we saw that template when when Endeavor bought UFC, and it was like it was a, it was a bloodletting. I remember covering every merger, right? Yeah, you know, efficiency comes at a cost, of course. Well, Brandon, that is a, that is two appearances on Pollock and Thurston. You get the commemorative I, sports I, code after five appearances. That's that's <laughs> the rule here. Okay, well, I'm honored to have been back a second time. Love chatting with you guys, and hopefully there will be a third. Yes, follow along all of his work. Brando Lightshed and uh, a weekly listen for, for me uh, with yourself, yes. Rich and, and Walter, me and Brandon, uh, great, great admirers of your work. And we appreciate you uh, jumping you. on with us, Brandon. Listen great to week. talk to you guys. Thanks, Brandon. Take care. Brandon Ross, everybody uh, joining us. So always an enlightening chat to uh, to get into uh, what, what is going on uh, behind the scenes. And and there we have it. Uh, Mr. Zaslov attending the U2 concert over the weekend. Mr. Zaslov. Mr. Zaslov, as, as he is known in professional wrestling circles. Yes. Um, last thing before we uh, we sign off from anyone, and if you want to uh, throw in any questions, you're welcome to do so. But uh, we we skipped over the, the raw numbers, and they did have their best performance against Monday Night Football so far this season. They were up 3% with 1,511,000 viewers, a .48 in the demo going against the Seahawks game. So they were up uh, just over 12% from last week in the demo. And this was a, a simulcast game, so at least um, showing some uh, an, an upward trend here for, for Raw against uh, Monday Night Football. They didn't have the Bills to contend with. The Bills no. are going to be their Achilles heel this, this coming uh, year. And not Aaron Rodgers' Achilles heel either. Well, it's Bills versus the Jaguars uh, on Sunday uh, in London. But oh, is that's it? An, that's another story. In, in Wembley Stadium as well. I, I wonder what they'll draw. Um, oh. But yeah, the, as you said, this was the best rating that they've done since, since the NFL season has restarted. And... Um, They've, I mean, as we can see on this this chart here, while SmackDown has been an overwhelmingly positive story, if we were looking at the same chart for SmackDown, this, these year-over-year comparisons for each week, SmackDown is much more green 
and very little red. Uh, but raw has been mostly green year to date until, until about August. So this, this did precede the NFL season by a few weeks where raw has been down more so year over year. And it's, it's, you know, you can think, Oh, well, what's, what's, what started in about August of last year? Well, Triple H took over as head of creative. Um, and he is still the head of creative and Vince is involved again. And we're comparing now the, the Paul Levesque era to the Paul Levesque era or whatever you want to say, how, how involved Vince is. Um, so it, it probably helped on this Monday that the Seahawks beat the Giants by 24 to three. So it wasn't a very close game. Um, so yeah, I, I, it's, the NFL has been doing better and better. It seems like, uh, so hopefully they don't have to go against uh, Taylor Swift anytime soon. Yeah, this NFL thing, I think it's going to take off. I see, I see a long, I see, I see Taylor Swift giving give them the rub. I know. I mean, my goodness, my, my timeline on, on Sunday night as I was watching Wrestle Dream was, uh, just, man, people were like, there was anger, anger about like this woman is just like watching a football game, but I guess it got pretty grating for people that were watching the broadcast. And the, well, uh, well, now the ratings debate is on and now there is a ratings debate. Um, where, where people wait, that are, only right? happens in wrestling. Only where, wrestling where people are having the ratings. I thought heated disagreements and somehow I am not the arbiter of, of this debate. So that, that, that's, that's consoling somehow. Have you ever thought of expanding out of just like reporting like wrestling numbers <sighs> just for the hell of it for like a big show, like do the Super Bowl? I, I, I've, you know, I, I tweet things, you know, now and then that are just sports related or not, or not, you know, that ratings things that are not wrestling related. I, I've thought about it and I, sometimes I end up getting things wrong. We're like, oh yeah, there's people who know this stuff better than I do. So it's, it's not something I feel like I can dive into immediately, but you know, I should probably do more MMA stuff. And I know the MMA stuff is a little bit complicated by the fact that a lot of the UFC is on ESPN plus and that's taking away a lot of the viewership, but yeah, I should really pivot away from this uh, wrestling thing soon before it uh, goes out of business see that's that's going to be the next uh maybe uh some kind of uh creators i, I was going to say like a uh, some kind of strike to get more transparency out of uh, espn plus but i mean none of these people are unionized that would uh be fighting this uh this transparency battle for for our selfish needs of uh you know ufc viewership or other companies well, sports TV ratings, who now has a, a sub stack that everybody should should check out. He's mm-hmm. He's been re- reporting the sports ratings every single day. It's not everything that is the cable originals, which spoiler TV has. So, by the way, we are we are totally still in a showbiz era. You thought wrestling ratings discussions were over with? No way. But he he was tweeting something that I don't completely understand about he, Nielsen has measurements for streaming services within a certain window of time. Now it doesn't tell you what people were watching on the giving streaming service. Um, so that this was about the, um, the ESPN plus broadcast of the, uh, the Andy's room version of the Jaguars, whoever the Jaguars were playing the other, the other week, the other Sunday. Um, and there's some measurement around how many people were watching ESPN plus during that window, whether or not they were watching the NFL game, probably overwhelming majority were, um, but there appears to be some sort of measurement there, which gives rise to the question of, Oh, can we get a similar measurement for Peacock from, you know, eight to 11 on certain Saturday nights? What well, was it? The, I think it was the, the chiefs jets game on Sunday night where they, they did put out the, 
the total viewership between NBC and Peacock, they gave a, I think it was like 27 point something million. But I mean, it's, it both like it enhances the television number at the same time. If you're someone that's just looking at this and like, here is the future of viewing. And it's like, it's still such a small percentage in comparison to traditional television, which is the model that we are just like actively working to replace with a streaming model that I think it would be very interesting to give all of these uh, network executives the ability to go back 10 years and what would be your strategy towards streaming? Would this be the path you take of killing off what had been this unbelievable behemoth of profitability that has just whittled away over the past decade? Yeah, and it's it's something we didn't get to with with uh, Brandon Ross, but there's part of the, the Charter and Disney deal involved Disney Plus being is going to be provided to charter subscribers and there's some belief at least by by them by lightshed and rich greenfield that maybe max will will end up being a part of future agreements where part maybe maybe what they're doing with the max sports tier is setting a consumer a direct consumer sales price that they can use to leverage into these deals that they make with carriers in the future when WBD negotiates with them to say, okay, we know how much it's worth to consumers. So maybe that determines what it's worth uh, to you when we sell it to you wholesale to your subscribers. Um, it's, you know, something that feels like it's on the horizon is like the great rebundling where these streaming services maybe end up getting put back into the set top boxes, uh, getting put back into the cable subscriptions that they've, you know, that all this content has come out of. Um, and maybe that's that's a future, but but yeah, the it's it's interesting. I'm going to show this this graphic that, that there are we're getting close to the point where like half the TV homes are not cable homes. Um, it's about fifty six percent. So all all the TV homes in the United States is one hundred twenty five million, and USA TBS TNT are in about ninety three ninety four percent of them. So that's as a percentage of TV homes, that's like fifty six percent. That's going to decline over time. So probably within the lifetime of these new WB and AEW deals, that number is going to go below 50%. So as is something I've talked about on Russell Long's radio before, it seems like it would behoove you if you're, I don't know, any, any content owner of sports rights or wrestling rights that you would want to have some, some pathway to getting your, your content onto streaming as well as traditional TV. Yes, I, I was listening to your discussion, and I think I, I think for the first time ever, I'm going to watch an episode of Women of Wrestling. I feel it is my duty to at least watch one episode. You of haven't Women watched one yet? No, I haven't. Yeah, let, let me know what you think, especially of the the, the crowd. The crowd's like super. But their numbers are genuinely impressive. Like, yeah, like it's and it's not just like it had some little like couple month run. Like this thing has been on for over a year. And yeah. they're consistently like they from the get go, they had a very strong syndication package. Like it was stronger than ROH's syndication package. Like they had like near 100% clearance, as I recall. It was like they certainly had the infrastructure, like syndication, whatever you think of that model in 2023. I mean, they, they had as favorable a package as you could ask for. And they're on Vice. And they're on well, Vice as well. So whatever numbers we're seeing, like there is some, you know, trickle over there from vice as well i think there was a telecast on vice at 3 a.m that that measured at 1000 viewers but but the the midnight there's a midnight telecast. i want to meet every every one of those thousand i would i would just love to meet via zoom like at three in the morning you're turning on the television and it's women of wrestling time but as we can see here some some of these episodes are doing in the neighborhood of 350 and 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 at least on one occasion over 400 viewers 
and what so for for people who are wondering what is this really measuring i think it's measuring the first run on on syndication and in, in some markets i think this is being played more than once but i believe what we're looking at is just only only the first run so there's this happening in markets around the country i think it is 100 of the country that's covered what um, happened in the middle of june like was this their ultimate like uh was this like their version of like flare scheme vote or something i'm very curious what uh look at this they top four hundred thousand viewers rampage isn't doing that collision didn't do that this week and who knows what the lead-in is in, in any of these markets maybe there's college football it's, it's, it's area on sunday right that that's what it's it's entered in entered as in, in nielsen so i have no idea but but yeah, it's doing more more viewers than Rampage. Sometimes. There's definitely something to learn from this, and it, and it's a greatly underreported uh, piece of wrestling programming out there. I think uh, you know, add this to the list of like Lucha Libre. There's there's definitely yeah. uh, I, I think John Cena was watching it, right? John Cena watches everything. I mean, yes. I th- I think I guilted him into watching the Kenny Omega Demetrius Johnson uh, Street Fighter Six battle, which Kenny Omega prevailed over on Tuesday. For those curious okay. on their Twitch uh, stream. Uh, last, was there anything else um, that you thought coming out of the press conference with Tony Khan that was notable? He did talk about the, again, he is not committing to monthly pay-per-views, but obviously they're, they're adding more. And I guess if we're looking at Wrestle Dream, like if, if they're adding, like, let's say it's 10 pay-per-views a year to throw out a number, but your average is coming down to like 115 to 120 as opposed to like this 140 range that we had been seeing, like ultimately, like, do you view this wrestle dream number as a success four weeks removed from all out? And here was a show that did that is projected to do over a hundred thousand buys. Like, is that, is that a great sign? Not really. But if, if the end game is to sell these rights as a streaming package, along with next day rights, maybe, and library rights, maybe to, to WBD for max, the buys mean a lot less. If you can you know get that, you know, right. All you get- deal, and then that's, that's the glory of it. It's like, you don't have to worry about month to month and you know, the, you're not living and dying by what, you know, there's a key injury, but your rights are guaranteed. Yeah. And I would, you know, what they're doing now is just sort of setting, creating data to st- that Bleacher Report has, which is owned by WBD, to say this is the kind of demand when you put up a $50 paywall in front of it. Imagine what it would be if it was on your streaming service that many people are already subscribed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also mentioned the fact that they were not, I guess this was not on Sunday, but but last week, the discussion about not going through the, uh, the, the tryout period, which we had discussed, but that was more so interesting that that seemed to be the... Uh, you know, their, their option that was on the table. Like this does not seem as though something that was just rubber stamp that this would be, uh, max, uh, content for them. But yeah, the pay-per-view strategy for AEW will be, uh, noteworthy and they have another pay-per-view coming up in November. That will be their next, uh, foray for your dollars, but we will be back next week on. Well, we will to be determined. We will see how important it is to have a Super Tuesday results for everyone uh, ratings wise. But regardless, you will hear from us next week. A big thank you to Brandon Ross for joining us. And if you cannot get enough of our voices, you can get more over at patreon.com slash WrestleNomics, where Brandon and company are there every single Sunday. And this coming week, you can check out WrestleNomics Radio, where Brandon Brandon actually has an entire list of every topic that they're going to discuss this Sunday, but he's not going to reveal it now. You've got to tune in on Sunday to find out what that no. detailed list is uh, this many days out and and what will be the controversy uh, that everyone is uh, seeking out Brandon's advice on coming this Sunday. 
I was going to talk about all in attendance. I did talk about all in attendance last Sunday. If you, if you haven't got enough of that, there's, there's that on there, but I, I was going to make it more of a main feature of the show. But then I, but then I, you know, I realized how angry people were at just the sight of that discussion. So, uh, I, I sort of put it, put it further down the card. Um, but I, th- I think we're, I think we're all set with that, that topic. We didn't talk about that last week. Cause that, that, um, that news was just breaking, but, there is no news, I guess. The number is still 72,000. Turnstile count. Turnstile count. 72,265. I can't dispute yet the, the paid attendance announcement of 81,335. Was that the um, was it, was that the topic of the week for you when it comes to uh, engagement? Uh, angry engagement, yes. Um, That's what I'm implying. <laughs> Like, what's the one you hit send and just be like, I'm not even going to look. I'm not even yes. going to look. The, uh, yes. Turn turn the comments off. Uh, meanwhile, myself and Wei Ting, we are back tonight after Dynamite. You can come back to the Post YouTube channel. And uh, we have our whole list of uh, programming coming up this month at uh, postwrestlingcafe.com. Also trying something out new with my, uh, my news updates where I'm doing audio versions of them where people get to hear me read my own writing. Maybe how this, do we know is this isn't How do we know this is an AI reading it and it's really you? Because... Wait, way wanted to do an AI voice and I just, I would not have it. So you, you have my word. This is my real voice and you can definitely, uh, sense it from my, my, my reading. So, uh, you can check that out until a robot replaces us. Uh, maybe if one of us needs a, a week off, we'll just, we won't even tell people. We'll just have, yeah. we'll have that technology. Are you How as long- burned out on AI discussion as I am? Like now when I get a podcast, that's like the future of AI. It's a delete automatically. I'm so tired because you know what? It's an hour that is condensed into, we don't know what AI is going to be. That's what it is. That's what every single discussion about AI is. It's better than the metaverse and NFTs though. that turned into be nothing. Um, I mean, I still use AI every day. I still use chat GPT every day to help me code. Um, I, I don't, I don't know. I haven't listened to that many podcasts about it, I guess, to be turned off by, but yeah, I can see. Did you watch um, Linda Yaccarino last week? Oh, the, I did. The code conference. I, I watched, um, Yoel, what's his last name? Um, I watched his his thing, his interview yeah. at Code Conference, and then I did too. Two, two interviews later, Linda Yaccarino. Uh, we should have carved out some time. We we could we could have pulled some clips from that one. I mean, that was just something else. There were there were for, for all people want like there's a lot of negativity that that Tony Khan gets. Dude, Linda Yaccarino was like a dumpster fire of an executive on stage who was so ill prepared for anything um that w- that was uh co- coming her way i mean just a disastrous performance right there there were a lot of ways to spin what she was trying to say better she didn't have data ready um yeah she was pretty mad she yeah. tried to end the interview like three times at the end i've got to go i've got to yeah. go it, dude this interviewer just held her feet to the fire it was like not letting her go but it's uh some great theater if you want to go check that out from the code conference last week All right, that's it for us. Thanks for tuning in to Pollock and Thurston. We're back next week. Check out WrestleNomics. Check out Post Wrestling and um, discourse about ratings. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.